My main thing is redefining mental toughness to include returning to our traumas, like as part of it, in order for us to heal and move forward. Because my story is my mental toughness really blocked me from healing that sexual assault from the military. Because what happened was I blamed myself entirely, didn't report it and just pushed it away because I was strong and tough and that's who I was. Didn't even think about it for 15 years and when it came screaming back. So part of my you know, mission is to really redefine what we think is tough because going back to the trauma, that's the tough part, not ignoring it. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy and thanks for listening in as we talk with leaders. Colleen Ryan Hensley is a 10-year Navy veteran, candidate for certified mental performance coach with the Association for Applied Sports Psychology and founder of Grace C. Ryan Performance. She holds an advanced degree in performance psychology and spent five years with a team of cutting-edge researchers and clinicians at the University of Texas Dallas Center for Brain Health, teaching high-performance cognitive training to military veterans and their spouses and caregivers, active-duty military, and first responders around the country. As an advocate for veterans wellness, she received a fellowship with the missioncontinues.org and lobbied for veteran rights on Capitol Hill alongside her team at Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. She champions for proactive mental health and optimal wellness from a place of knowing the ways in which living with depression can be extraordinary rich experience when you know how. Colleen Ryan Hensley, welcome. Thank you, Lori. It's so good to see you again. So we've talked to you before, you have binging sober, you have so much going on. And so I want to just jump right in with talking about some pretty deep issues. And one of them is ownership of our own healing and the importance of starting with ourselves, which is so key and our home, our closest relationships, and then moving into our communities. As you mentioned, I've hashtag binging sober. That's a process that I've used for the past 20 years to manage my own mental health challenges and wellness. Set that aside. And then as a part of all of that and the sharing of that, my mission is to really redefine mental toughness for all of us. Now, my background is sport and performance psychology, and that's really where this idea of mental toughness started, right? A lot of the research is done in athletes, military, pro athletes, all of these very high risk, high stress occupations. Well, Lori, now we're living in a world where Mental toughness is very, very important that resilience during times of stress, we're living in times of stress, right? And so it's not just applicable to all of these high risk, you know, high stress occupations, it's applicable to all of us. And the reason why I want to redefine it is because right now, as we see it, it's really about grit and resilience and that rub some dirt on it and get back in the game idea, right? And that's, again, very important. However, where it's missing the mark is, okay, so we're in these times of stress. We have all of these, you know, tactics. We have all of these, um, all of this training and all of these skills that we have to manage that stress during the time of the stress. Well, what happens after that? Now we have this residual energy, these feelings, these emotions, whatever that we've captured during that time of stress. If we're avoiding them, which we are seeing in the mental health crisis right now, if we're avoiding that leftover residual toxic stuff from those times of stress, 
speaking from someone who has had trauma, which you could argue all of us do in one form or another, the healing part of it for me was, yes, the most difficult. And a lot of that was getting around the pride and the toughness. You know, that was the most difficult part and also the most rewarding. It was this big aha moment of, hey, this idea of mental toughness is not entirely correct because as a society, in order to just take away the stigma that is around mental health and seeking help right now, we have to make healing all of that leftover stuff part of mental toughness, part of the way that we go about living during stressful times. I love what you say, taking ownership, because one of my favorite newest quotes, and I think we talked about this last time, is Alex L., she says, self-healing is an act of community. <laughs> yes, you did. Oh, I love that. And when we choose to heal ourselves and when we choose to walk that walk and we're not blaming and we're yes. not hiding, yes. then we become more valuable to our family, our community, but mostly to ourself because we've taken ownership and we've said, yeah, that sucked. What yeah. happened, whatever it was, we don't have to live in victim. We can live in survivor. And the way to get there is to take ownership. And even like when we look at people who were abused as children, it's horrible that those things happened to them. It wasn't their fault. But when they take ownership for their healing, instead of saying, I can't revisit that, it was too terrible, but they seek counseling, they seek support to get the healing then yeah. their life is better. And guess what? Now their story will help someone else as exactly. is your story of binging sober. Thank you. Yes, that's exactly right. The ripple effect, the ripple effect of us managing our own wellness, managing our own healing will change the narrative for all of us right now. And as we can see on the news, that is extremely necessary we spend so much energy, and I say we collectively, all of us spend so much energy blaming the wrong things, thinking about the wrong things. And when we talk about energy, we only have so much of it. So if we're spending that on uncontrollable things, on things that have happened in the past, etc., then that's less energy that we have to heal ourselves. Exactly. I'm glad you brought up childhood trauma because on July 4th weekend of this year, I've had all of my tech off since then. We had 22 mass shootings in the country on July 4th weekend. 22. I don't know if everyone has heard that. This is per ABC News I was looking at yesterday as I was thinking about all of this. 126 injured and 20 people lost their lives. The reason I bring this up, obviously very important to talk about. And again, I wholeheartedly believe we're having not the best conversations we need to be having around it as a whole. But the reason why it's included in this idea of mental toughness and this idea of hashtag binging sober, which is all about controlling our use of mind numbing, unhealthy escapisms that have infiltrated our routines through our habits through accessibility and marketing. The reason why I bring this up is because I read this article from NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Illness, and I really wanted to read what they had to say about mental illness and gun violence. Because what happens, Lori, is that every time these things were on the news, you hear 
it comes out that these are the mentally ill that are doing this. That is not true. And that really just adds to this environment of creating a place that's not safe for people that need the help to support it. According to research, and you can look at this NAMI article, The Truth About Mental Health and Gun Violence. They talk about how it is only 4% of all of these violent acts that are related to mental illness and that a majority of them, 96% of these criminal violent acts that we're seeing right now are related to unhealed trauma, use of illicit drugs, overuse and abuse of these things that are distracting us from each other and ourselves. These are the types of things that are creating this. When we think about that, we have to say, okay, what's our part in that? All of that is a disconnection that we're seeing. If we were, we're going back to the individual healing, that impacts our family. This is over time. And it's, it's an abstract idea, kind of, you know, to say, okay, well, my healing is going to make my family better. Even if we're already great, we can be better. That healing is going to impact the neighbors that we run into every day. The things that we do with our time really sinking into the community. So just think about the ripple effect. And we're spending all of this time blaming big government and blaming this and blaming this and blaming this. And we're not spending enough time. We need to spend all of our energy right now, each and every one of us, focusing on ourselves and the things that we can control in our environment, in our communities to fix this thing. That is so powerful because it's easy to blame and point fingers. And when we recognize there is something we can do, even yes. something very baby stepish, it's volunteering, oh, yes. it's loving, it's reaching out. When we take responsibility for that, along with our healing, we are going to change the world. That's what your movement is doing. You're saying, hey, yeah, there's plenty of people to blame. I'm. You're not saying... There's no shortage of blame. Let's not worry about what we can't control. When we are in these times, that's why I turned off my tech and I didn't want to look at the news and I didn't want to, I've been isolating and I talk to clients all the time who are experiencing this. It's creating fear. It is creating all of these things that are happening are creating more fear, creating more isolation, creating more disconnection. It's up to us to turn that around. But along with that, the societal perception of mental toughness, which we've already talked about, if we just talk about toughness, which is a part of that, this idea of these things that we accept that make us tough or make us weak, I could say. One of my big arguments, and I'm sure you've heard me say, say it over and over again, is healing is the tough part. Crying is tough. Like vulnerability is not easy. It's very tough. So can't we all agree that that is true mental toughness, to live through it, to grow from it, and to move on with more wisdom gained. Let's give those people who are willing to do the work a big badge to wear. Yeah. That yeah. is the hardest yes. part. And, you know, I hear this all the time. People talk about when they're walking through a journey of healing, how difficult it is, and they want to start sharing when they get on the other side. But let's start sharing during the journey and saying, I am doing the hard work. A lot of times people will think of, well, I'm weak if I go get help. And then also the idea of isolation in recovery. What's the first thing we say? Don't isolate, reach yeah. out. So if we're doing that, we have people out there that are suffering, but now they're not, you know, we all know it's very difficult to seek that help in this environment that we've created. We 
have created. It, it reinforces itself. If we're not talking to each other, we're not saying, let's say good morning to one another. Let's really pay attention to what's going on around us. Think about the impact, the consequence of all of this healing, you know, in an ideal world, we all look at our, our own stuff and own our own stuff and focus on what we can control and spend our energy there. Think about the impact of that on those people that are struggling right now, isolating, maybe, maybe they're having these people that showed up on July 4th weekend. We need to pay attention. We need to reach out to one another. The idea of community has been lost. We need to regain that so that we all feel connected and supported. That's all we want is to feel valued. When you're isolating, it can create a very dark mindset that can lead to those other things. So it's a matter of being aware and capturing those things before they happen. Well, hashtag binging sober, which is really all about. And I tell you that with the app still coming, it's really all about paying attention to how these things that we're using and abusing all of us, regardless of age, regardless of where you are, regardless of your life circumstances, we are all abusing these things that are now controlling us and we are not controlling them. And it is leading into this downward spiral and this dark place for a lot of us. But we can also climb out. As far as creating like a bridge for communication, I'm not sure how much of it is generational. I mean, I'm sure we could pull out lots of different things and different means of communication, all of these things. But I really, really believe that it's just really the individual consideration that we need to be concerned about. Okay, where are these people and how do we reach them? What about these people and how do we reach them? And what about these people and how do we reach them? Well, that seems like just a momentous feat. But when we focus at the community level, then it becomes more manageable. When we focus on our home and our family or our friends or whatever you consider home or whatever you can, whoever you consider your family, when you're focused on those things, then everything else becomes easier and more manageable. And that's just where we need to focus our efforts. If you're in that place where you're isolating and you are just waking up tired and you feel stressed all the time and, and you're ruminating over the past or you're, you don't, you're uncertain about the future, wouldn't you want to spend that time and that energy that you're using to avoid. If we want to go back to escapisms and mind, like you're avoiding those feelings. We're all doing this. We lost so many people during the pandemic. So now think about all of these people who were impacted by the pandemic, all of these people who have been impacted by the violence and the aggression. Wouldn't you rather, instead of just speaking from the heart, I see you, I know what it's like. It's an ongoing practice and management of all of these things that we are living right now. When we just redirect that energy to ourselves, to our home, to the things that truly matter and stop getting distracted by all of these other things that really don't, I'm not saying turn off your TV forever. I'm not saying, but Lori, I was just thinking about this yesterday. Oh, we're all turning off the news. Oh, that's great. This has been going on for a while now. Yes, but now it's even worse. I don't want to watch the news at all. Okay, now we're even more disconnected because we're not watching the news. We need to start climbing out of this hole that we just keep digging. And looking and yeah. being curious. Yeah, asking the question, taking ownership. Mental toughness is also our self-talk. Talk to us about this person who's listening going, okay, okay, I'm in, I'm buying in. Where yeah. do I start? I love curious. Let's all get curious. Our self-talk can be, and I say our, everyone's self-talk can be upwards of 400 words per minute. That is a lot of jibber jabber inside of our heads. There's lots of different tactics and ways to grab onto it, but we tend to repeat the same 90 to 95% 
of thoughts and thought patterns every day when we are not interrupting them. But that's entirely under our control. So what do we do? Grab onto your self-talk. If you find yourself, I mean, obviously it starts with awareness. You're going to have to be aware that this exists. You're going to have to be aware in this moment. Okay, what are these things that I'm telling myself? What do I find myself ruminating on when I'm going to bed at night? Why am I like physiologically in a knot? I mean, the stress right now is intense for a lot of people. So it's like catching yourself. First of all, paying attention to your body. Where is it happening? What are you feeling? These emotions that we've been running from, these emotions and these feelings and these experiences that we are avoiding, that's the other half of the spectrum that makes life worth living. Be curious about that. Like, what are these things that you're stressed out about? Write it down. Write it down. Just speak it out into the air. Get it out. Obviously, I'm a huge mental health advocate. There's so many nonprofits that offer sessions to people who need them and can't afford them. There's a wide variety of support options. 100% want to advocate for that professional support. Find a peer. Find someone to talk to to get it out. Because a lot of times when we are ruminating on things, and I say ruminating, when all of this self-talk, jibber-jabber, the same stuff over and over and over and over every day, you can magnify that. You often <laughs> magnify those things in your head. You're magnifying them. And then when you speak them, you say them, you write them down. A lot of times they're smaller or they become at least a bit smaller. And you can make a more concerted effort to problem solve at that point. Take action against this. Okay, what are the controllables in this situation for me? Like, what are the things I can control about this? Focus on those things, just those things. We have our entire days slipping by right now. Four and five hours a night is the average of watching TV. We are the alcoholism and you know the alcohol industry is out of control. So is the sober curious movement. People are getting curious about their wellness. They're getting curious about the things that they can stop doing or start doing to feel better. Because I've talked to so many people, Lori, so many of my clients are like just at their wits end. They're like, I, especially after the, after the pandemic, they're like, I, I, something had to be done. Like it was like, we don't have to hit this rock bottom place. Please, can we not hit this rock bottom place? You can just start right now from wherever you are. And I love that I got there with self-talk, but it's true. We have to pay attention to it to even fix it. But I am going to give a huge plug in my experience to internal family systems or parts work. I'm sure you've heard of it. I think we've even talked about it before. Because the idea is it's to grab a hold of those voices in your head, if you will, <laughs> figure out those parts of you that aren't healed, those parts that need to be healed, honor them for why they are there, what other purpose they could have. And it's a really like you can organize, organize that chatter, organize the jibber jabber. And when you can calm that chaos inside of you, that also then interprets itself to a more peaceful and harmonious like life experience. There's an interplay between our internal and external worlds that is very, very real. And if you haven't experienced that, then I highly suggest it. There are therapists that specialize in internal family systems or parts work. There are also some amazing books on Amazon. You can go to your library. There are awesome books. YouTube has a ton of videos. It's something that you really like practice on your own. You really don't need anybody to do this kind of work on your own. And so I would say all of that together is a wonderful way to look at our self-talk and start to make positive change. I love how when we start to recognize even what we're saying. So when you were talking about 
taking responsibility, what it's easy to think is, well, there's nothing I can do. Right. Even though that feels like that doesn't feel toxic, but when we say, when we can turn that around and be curious, what can I do? Yes. Then that gives us a certain kind of energy that's like, what what can I do? There is always something that we can control. It could be just how we're seeing it, how we're perceiving it, how we're processing it. It could just be that, but there is always something that we can control. And we tend to cause ourselves a great deal of distress, focusing on those things that we can't. And it's very easy to do, but it's also something that you can train yourself and condition yourself away from. And it just takes a pause and a look, a curiosity. So do you have some of those resources on your webpage? Yes, I do. But my Instagram at Colleen Ryan Hensley, I do have some book reviews. Feel free to DM me. Feel free to message me through my website. I'm always, always up for talking about all of these things that can really, really spark this positive change within all of us. What is it after all that we've talked about today, talk to the person who's on board and ready. What do you really want them to know? They're tired of the chaos. They didn't even know they could control the chaos. Our mental health is a, it's a, it's an adventure. Start thinking of it as an adventure, not as this, oh, I have a problem. I remember it was before I married my husband. He's a father of three full time. And so I came into this blended family and I, as a huge mental health advocate, was like, let's go to a counselor, all of us before the wedding. And I got about, uh, uh, but we don't have any problems. Like, what are our problems? I said, we don't have to have problems. This is about being more awesome. Okay. Just change the way that you're approaching yourself. I mean, with all of this isolation and stuff comes just a great deal of shame. Our beautiful life, your beautiful life is in that exact same place with all of those hurtful experiences and and that pain and those emotions that we've been taught to avoid. There's so much we can control about this. And the first thing is to know that your beautiful life exists in that same place. And then to turn around and go back to it and start healing those things. There's various different ways to do that. But it's focusing 100% of your energy on that. Imagine the difference that that would make in your life if, you stop to take inventory and be curious about the energy that you're just throwing away and focused on, okay, what are these things that I can control? And let's focus there. Just give it some time. Give yourself grace. Be slow and intentional with change. It doesn't happen overnight. Little little teeny bits. We talked about that at the beginning of this conversation. Little teeny bits at a time eventually leads to massive change. And that's the approach that we all need to have alone and together at this point in order to create our better world that we want. The biggest threat to our mental health is escapism or all of these things that we have access to to distract ourselves from the painful feelings that we're talking about. We say, let's reduce the stigma around it. There shouldn't be any stigma around it. Stigma is a disgrace and there's nothing disgraceful about mental health. Like it is a beautiful thing when you can manage your own. There's just so many layers of this. And I love that there's a lot of artists, music artists that are like Lady Gaga. Yes. That are doing work around this. Very helpful. Selena Gomez. I mean, she came out in a big way recently. Justin Bieber. I mean, really, really well-known people 
talking about it. And that's a huge deal. Like we get big athletes that people look up to and it was last Super Bowl. There was this commercial. It was advocating for mental health and it was professional football players talking about their experience. And I was like, whoa, that is a huge cultural shift when that is a commercial in the Super Bowl. So I think all of those things are really, really positive. We're definitely stepping in the right direction. We just still have a long way to go, obviously. I mean, we can we can see that in our suicide rates and our abuse of all of these things that we're using to try to feel better that are making ourselves feel worse and making everything worse. So like I said, it's creating a lot of awareness, control, and balance around those things so that you can gain control over your energy throughout the day. And the object is to balance or be, if you imagine a scale, my main tool is called the scale of vitality. If you imagine a scale, that zero is balanced. To feel vital, to feel alive, that's where we need to be. I think a lot of times, you know, if we're all running around saying that we're tired and sick, that's not where we are. We're probably somewhere over on the left side of that scale. It's a process that I've used informally for 20 years realized as I got older and older that I was doing this, that I was taking these sober binges, these time, this time away from things, like taking things out, adding them back in in different amounts and different ways, and really managing my depression, post-traumatic stress, and, you know, alcohol abuse, and, and all of those things that I was doing that were actually making my symptoms worse. Colleen Ryan Hensley, hashtag binging sober. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lori. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference. 